Good morning and Happy New Year. I'm Mike Peterson and welcome to a special edition of This Week in KMA Lab. Today we're looking back at some special moments of the year 2021. Now these are stories that weren't included in our Project 2021 series, but deserve some recognition just the same. We'll recall some of the memorable moments of the past year and remember some special people that we lost in 2021. Now, some of the year's memorable moments were surprises, and not all of them nice. In February, word reached KMA land of the closing of Clarinda Academy. It all started with an NBC News report indicating the facility was shutting its doors after 30 years of operations. Clarinda Police Chief Keith Brothers was among those taken aback by the news. Obviously, I'm always concerned when, oh, a community, you know, loses an employer that employs 80 to uh, 120 people. You know, that's an impact on our community and will be an impact on our community. And I empathize with those individuals who have pretty much made their life's work out there. I know there's uh, several employees that have been there, oh, 20-plus years, and some of them since the inception of the facility. And uh, once again, I uh, empathize with that. News of an opening centered around Shenandoah in April when the dream of many KMA Land veterans came true. Local veterans raised the American flag over Shenandoah's new Veterans Administration Community-Based Outpatient Clinic, or CBOC, signifying the opening the facility's operations. Measuring almost 10,000 square feet, the $3.5 million clinic was roughly three times bigger than the former clinic at the Orchard Corner Shopping Center on Highway 59. Pat Dawson is Assistant Director of the VA's Nebraska-Western Iowa Healthcare System. Dawson said up to four years of planning and 18 months of construction went into the building at 2043A Avenue. Dawson says the new clinic offers expanded services, providing veterans a one-stop shop addressing a variety of health needs. We have physical therapy now. We have more of an orthotics, more improved service there. We have women's health as well. A consolidated patient-aligned care team process in the back where our nurses and physicians and LPNs can talk to one another and communicate in a lot better instead of in a closed environment. We also will offer about 30 uh, telehealth specialty type of appointments. April was the month of another major development regarding area health care facilities. Groundbreaking ceremonies were held for the Clarenda Regional Rehab Center. Located in the southeast corner of Clarenda Regional Health Center's campus, the 12,500-square-foot facility is a major component of CRHC's two-year expansion and renovation initiative. The rehab center was part of the project's first phase, which also includes construction of a surgery center addition and expansion of the hospital's parking lot. CRHC CEO Chuck Nordyke told KMA News the surgery center was a much-needed component. We're going to be expanding. We're going to be doubling the size of the current surgery area. So that means we can do more procedures. We can have two cases going simultaneously if need be. If you're in a case now um, and there's an emergency, then we have to transport those patients. Now we won't have to do that. Those types of things are, are going to help us in the long run, help us grow, help us better serve the community. Shenandoah Medical Center had its share of big moments in 2021. Shenandoah residents gathered in August to remember a man of action and a favorite human being. Bright sunshine bathed the parking lot outside Shenandoah Medical Center's clinic, where dedication ceremonies were held for the Dr. Floyd Jones Gazebo. Constructed next to a patio honoring another legendary medical figure, Dr. Janet Bumgarner, the gazebo was a lasting tribute to Jones, who was a full-time physician at the hospital from 1972 until his retirement in 2015. Sue Hanna, who worked alongside Jones as a nurse for 38 years, shared her observations of the late 
physician. He was from the old school. He would pat your hand or your shoulder, and you just knew he was listening and that he truly cared. He had the best bedside manner west of the Mississippi. No one could even come close. This was one of his greatest gifts. Jones's widow, Sue, called the gazebo an awesome monument to her late husband. Sue also asked those in attendance to celebrate not only his life, but a beautiful day and everything we have because of him. Both the memories of Dr. Jones, think about him, what he meant to you, because I'm sure everything you think about him is different than the next person. And hold that memory and maybe someday share it. And if we keep sharing your memories, we'll, we'll not lose him. He'll be a part of us. In addition to a plaque honoring Jones attached to the gazebo, one of his favorite quotes is written on a bench inside the gazebo. We are what we do. Another special event for SMC came in November when ground was broken for the hospital's $10 million Robert S. Holmes Family Cancer Center. Construction of the 8,200-square-foot addition was planned for the hospital's east side, along with 5,400 feet of renovations to existing space. SMC CEO Matt Sells told KMA News discussions regarding the proposed center first began between hospital officials and the hospital's board of directors three years ago. Itself says the acquisition of a radiation oncology service line in July of last year helped move the project forward. Being able to provide for a new linear accelerator for radiation therapy services, as well as increase the capacity of our uh, current infusion center, were really both uh, attributes of the project that needed to happen. And so with all of those things kind of coming into play, the ability to hire Dr. Orlando Breyer as our primary medical oncologist, the stars really just aligned for us to, to move forward with making this project happen. Hospital officials projected a 14 to 16 month construction time frame. On the subject of groundbreakings, another milestone in the city of Hamburg's continuing recovery from the floods of 2019 took place in April. City officials joined the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, VIPs, and stakeholders in breaking grounds on the expansion of the Ditch 6 levee located along Highway 333. Plans called for raising the levee 8 feet, providing the community an extra buffer from future flooding from the Missouri River. Hamburg Mayor Kathy Crane recalled how the city fought for the expansion after it was forced to remove dirt from the levee's top, which protected the community from the 2011 flooding. That reinforcement wasn't there when the second major disaster struck eight years later. We lost water, sewer, natural gas for 120 days. Two-thirds of our town covered in water. Only three of our 44 businesses could open. The other 41 were underwater and could some of them didn't even open till September. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst and Congresswoman Cindy Axney co-sponsored the Local Expertise is Vital for Effective Embankments, or Levy Act. The bill, which allows the Corps to begin pre-construction on levy improvements without waiting for congressional approval if a project is determined to be critical to flood prevention and cost less than $25 million. Axney says Hamburg's efforts will benefit other communities facing similar issues with levy protection in the future. We may be the first in the country to be able to utilize this new act and break ground here, but what that means is no other town in this country will ever have to deal with what Hamburg has had to deal with over this last decade, thanks to the work of all of you, your mayor, and the hard efforts that were put in by everybody here. And I couldn't be more grateful 
grateful for that, for all that you've done, not just for this community, but for this country in general. Some of 2021's events involved economic development. In June, plans for construction of a $325 million beef processing plant in Mills County were announced at a news conference at the county's Economic Development Office in Glenwood. Cattlemen's Heritage, a newly formed corporation with roots in livestock production and construction, planned to build a 1,500-head-per-day processing operation in the northwest quadrant of Interstate 29 and Bungie Avenue. Company officials said the facility will employ up to 750 workers and estimated an annual impact of $1.1 billion. Chad Tettinger is founder and owners of Tencore Incorporated, a cattle industry construction firm with offices in Des Moines and Marcus. Tettinger told KMA News the company felt the industrial base zone was the right location for the plant. So when we started looking for a site, we tasked one of the team members to just find the best site in the Midwest. He came back with the site in Mills County based on its location to a metro that has a, a large enough population for employment and the property is zoned and ready for a project just like this. Iowa Ag Secretary Mike Nag was on hand to demonstrate the state support of the new plant. Nag says the plant provides another opportunity for cattle producers, which in turn helps the economy. One of the things that's exciting about that is it means economic activity, and of course in Mills County, uh, that's going to be meaningful, and for the region. Uh, but that benefit, that, that economic impact, reaches all the way back to the farm. And, and that's what we're really, uh, really excited about is the fact that this can be an opportunity for uh, cattle producers really all across the state and the region to have another uh, market opportunity, to have greater access to the marketplace. Groundbreaking is expected to take place in the spring of 2022 with completion targeted for the winter of 2023. News of another major project caught the attention of KMA land residents in 2021. Some local counties were among those included in the first-ever carbon dioxide pipeline in Iowa. Iowa Utilities Board spokesman Don Tormey said Summit Carbon Solutions was considering the pipeline. Referred to as the Midwest Carbon Express, uh, proposed to run through uh, several Midwest states, including Iowa. Uh, The project in Iowa would be uh, proposed to cross 30 Iowa counties. Pottawatomie, Mills, Fremont, and Page counties were among those potentially impacted by the pipeline. Residents in those counties flocked to a series of public information meetings on the project in October. More than six miles of the pipeline would rest in Page County. During a noon hour public meeting at Shenandoah Public Library, John T. Davis of Hamburg was among those speaking against the project. Davis, a climate analyst, cited research claiming the CO2 pipeline is not only dangerous but not cost-effective and actually releases more greenhouse gases than it stores. After billions of dollars in public and private investments over decades, there are no carbon capture success stories, only colossal failures. One of the largest was the Petronova coal plant in Texas, once the poster child of CO2 removal. But that plant consistently underperformed and was eventually had to close. 
Jack Ketzner, Summit's Vice President of Government and Public Affairs, cited the plant in Illinois as a success story for carbon capture and storage efforts. Ketzner adds North Dakota is a great location for carbon sequestration. But North Dakota is really the, the sweet spot for carbon sequestration in the United States. They have $250 billion, with a B, tons of storage. We're doing 12 million tons a year. So they have a plethora of, of storage. Other developments regarding the proposed pipeline project are expected in 2022. 2021 also marked the return of some traditional events postponed the year before because of COVID-19, such as the Essex Labor Day celebration, Clarinda's Southwest Iowa Band Jamboree, the New Market Independence Day celebration, and of course, ShenFest. <laughs> Shenandoah High School's Marching Mustang set the musical tone for the 2021 Shenfest Parade, marking the community's sesquicentennial. Numerous VIPs dotted the parade, including this year's Grand Marshals, Shenandoah Mayor Dick Hunt and his wife Lucille. Hunt, who ended a 16-year run as mayor at the end of December, told KMA News he was touched by the honor. We can't thank whoever's nominated it enough. You know, we love this city and... I hope uh, what we've done here, people enjoy it. Royalty past and present join the parade participants, including Shenandoah High School homecoming queens from years ago. KMA Land also said goodbye to some special people in 2021. We'll take a fond look at those that we lost this past year when our special edition of This Week in KMA Land continues. Welcome back to our special year-in-review edition of This Week in KMA Land. 2021 marked the passing of some very special people in the region. In February, KMA Land residents mourned the passing of an iconic local media figure. Radio personality, newspaper columnist, author, homemaker, wife, mother. Evelyn Berkby was all those things. Berkby's illustrious career ended with her passing in February at the age of 101. Berkby was living on a farm near Farragut with her husband Bob when she launched her newspaper column Up a Country Lane in the Shenandoah Evening Sentinel in 1949. Her final column appeared in the Valley News Today in November 2019, 70 years later. Berkby began regular visits on KMA in 1950 as one of the station's legendary homemakers. In an interview on KMA's Dean and Don show back in 2014, Evelyn recalled the joy of celebrating Iowa's seasons. We can celebrate fall. We need to celebrate. I love four seasons, and I don't mind winter. I hate to say that because people look at me like I'm crazy, but <laughs> every season has its joys and its fun and um, its problems. Berkby also authored 10 books, including several containing her many recipes. She was also in great demand as a lecturer, giving perspective on life as a farm wife in the 1940s and 50s. KMA Land lost a legendary local lawmaker in May when former state representative Effie Lee Boggess died at the age of 93. An Adams County native, Boggess served in the Iowa House from 1995 to 2005. State Representative Cecil Dolacek, who has served at the State House since 1997, was one of Bogus's colleagues in the legislature. The Mount Air Republican paid tribute to Bogus in an interview on KMA's Morning Line program. She was an outstanding uh, legislative individual. She worked very hard in the economic development arena to work with the Southwest Iowa. Uh, she had a, a fire, as I would call it, and a passion. 
uh, for those types of issues, everything oriented to family and education, those types of things. Then in late August, KMA Land and the entire world mourned the loss of a music legend. Bye bye love, bye bye happiness. Bye Bye Love, the first big hit for the Everly Brothers in 1957. Now both halves of the famous rock duo are gone, as Don Everly died in his home in Nashville at the age of 84. Don's death followed that of his brother Phil, who passed in January of 2014. In the mid-1940s, Don and Phil Everly came to Shenandoah with their parents, Ike and Margaret, who became regular performers on KMA in the live music era. Only a few years after performing on KMA on Christmas morning 1946, Don and Phil became two of the founding fathers of rock and roll, posting 35 Billboard Top 100 singles, 26 of those in the Top 40. In 1986, the brothers made a triumphant return to Shenandoah with a legendary homecoming concert. Don recalled those Shenandoah years during a break in the concert. You know, we left here, what year was it, 1952, 53. I remember driving out the Honda Highway, I thought, I'll never see that place again. We, we had traveled all our life, and we stayed here longer in Shenandoah than we'd ever stayed anywhere else. Yeah. And we feel we were coming home finally. Yeah, thank you. And you made us feel that way. Thank goodness. It's the heartland where we love it. In a January 2016 interview with KMA News, Don admitted that he was still coping with his brother Phil's passing years later. I think about him every day, you know. I wake up and then his thought comes to me. Uh, I have, have a bit of his ashes here at my house. And I go by and, and pick the ashes up and I sort of say good morning to him. <laughs> That's a funny way to do it, but that's what I do. One month after Don Everly's death, his son Eden and other family members visited Shenandoah during Shenfest weekend. Accompanied by his wife Carrie and daughter Lily, Eden visited the Greater Shenandoah Historical Museum for a meet-and-greet event, then unveiled a historical marker at the Everly Brothers' childhood home next door. One night later, Eden Everly and other musicians performed in concert at the Gladys Rusick Jones Auditorium. For Eden, who was with his father and uncle during their 1986 visit, returning to perform to Shenandoah was both bittersweet and a blessing. We dearly miss them, miss Phil, and, and, you know, my father has just passed. I mean, what do you say to that? You know, it's just, you know, got to deal with it. And uh, we had to deal with that with Phil. You know, it was it's heartbreaking. And... Um, but, you know, this is kind of like the gift that keeps on giving, coming to Shenandoah, Iowa, and with my daughter. And, and it's just, you know, it's wonderful. Don Everly's death was followed by his mother Margaret's passing in December at the age of 102. Bill Hillman, the owner of Shenandoah's Depot restaurant, is a longtime friend of the Everly's. Though Ike was the family's first performer, Hillman told KMA News it was Margaret who encouraged Don and Phil to become musicians. When the Everly family moved to Shenandoah in the 40s, uh, it was just Ike Everly that was the musician. And, and because of Margaret, she decided that they'd get paid more by KMA and KFNF, by the way, if they had a whole family. And so they put the whole family together, and uh, she sang, and, and the boys sang and played guitar eventually, and... And, of course, you know, the rest is history. But, but she's the one that's the catalyst behind the whole thing of, uh, 
of making the Everly Brothers who they were later in life, and, and great musicians, of course. Well, some of those who left us in 2021 were not famous people, but their death still impacted the area. In late August, Shenandoah was stunned by the death of 16-year-old Grace Johnson. A Shenandoah High School senior, Johnson died of injuries suffered in a Fremont County accident. Local residents demonstrated their love for Grace in an impromptu prayer service outside the high school. Our Father, to art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pastor Jenny Fulmer of Shenandoah's Congregational United Church of Christ reciting the Lord's Prayer outside the high school during the service. One of the service's organizers, Fulmer, said it was important for the community to come together as people were worried and afraid for Grace's safety. So we're not going to stay here all night, but we are going to come together as a community and together lift Grace up, cover her with God's light, and ask for help. We feel helpless. We feel afraid. And that's okay. Pastor Nancy Thomas of Shenandoah's First Christian Church joined Fulmer in leading the prayer vigil. Thomas attributed the event's large turnout to not only the power of social media, but also to the love for Grace herself. She says it's not the first time Shenandoah has come together in the aftermath of the unthinkable. This school system has had some tragedies in the last years. Five years ago, there was uh, a young girl from my church that was killed. And, and the community supports one another and that's what this proves is all of these people here need each other they support one another they want to be supported and it's just part of our little community that is so wonderful then in september kma land and the entire country said goodbye to an american hero amazing grace how sweet the sound that saved a wretch Recording artist Coffee Anderson singing Amazing Grace in memory of Marine Corporal Dagan Page. Funeral services were held at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Omaha for Page, one of 13 U.S. servicemen and women killed in the attacks outside the Kabul airport in Afghanistan. Reverend Suzanne R. Howe, Sergeant Major retired with the U.S. Marine Corps, eulogized Page, who was born and raised in Red Oak and graduated from Millard South High School. Howe recalled how his father called Page fearless and described his devotion as a son, a friend, a Marine, and a teammate. Now, I met Lance Corporal Reynoso, and we were talking about Dagan, and he said, Dagan's that guy. And I said, yeah, I know what you mean. Now, not that guy that you don't want to be that guy. Not that guy. This is the one you want to be. You want to be that guy. You want to be Dagan Page. Because when he walks into a room, he's friends with everybody before he leaves. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds and U.S. Senator Joni Ernst joined Nebraska Governor Pete Ricketts, Omaha Mayor Gene Stothard, and other dignitaries in honoring Page. Local residents lined the route of the funeral procession to Omaha National Cemetery, where his cremains were laid to rest. One other noteworthy event occurred in 2021, and it marked the end of an era at this station. 
Longtime KMA Air personality Don Hansen retired September 30th after 50 years at the microphone. In an interview during a special edition of KMA's morning show that morning, Don recalled the evolution in technology he witnessed during a half century of broadcasting, from record turntables, reel-to-reel and cassette machines to computers and digital recording units. When we had uh, the control room, which was on the other side of the building here, we had two turntables. We had what we call cart machines. Those were kind of like a tracks and those were all the commercials and then you had a log you put the commercials into the cart deck player and played that then it advanced on to reel to reels as well all these forms that are no longer existence maybe some of them are coming back you know whatever's old is new again sometimes in closing don sent this final message summing up five decades of broadcasting first time i got on the air it was 11 o'clock at night so it was me and about three other people that were out there listening and um I kind of enjoyed it from then and just took off from there. But that's 50 years ago. So I've had a great ride at this. I've had to work with a lot of great people. And the culture that we've been able to establish here is tremendous. Yeah, I just I thank the listeners for their support and for listening and now viewing with new technology. And I just wish everybody the best of health, happiness, and be kind to one another. And those words from Don Hansen are a great way to put a wrap on the year 2021. We hope that you enjoy this special flashback on the year 2021 here on This Week in KMA Land. All in all, it was quite the journey this year. A lot of highs and lows, a lot of happy and sad moments. But KMA News did its best to cover the major news events of the past year. And we'll be poised once again to handle whatever comes our way in the new year to come. On behalf of Ryan Matheny, Ethan Hewitt, Carson Schubert, and Trevor Mater, this is Mike Peterson wishing you and yours a very happy new year. So long, my friend. This has been a special presentation of KMA News.